Hey, this is Ira Rosenzweig, Director of Mystery Now, and you're listening to Next Level. Hey, this is Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Duran. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is TJ Fines. Hey y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Next Level Radio. Have fun. It's time for the Showcast. And now, here they are, those pop culture junkies and your hosts, Ben Beck. Adam Gorey, and Steve Richards. Hey everybody, welcome into this episode of the Showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Adam Gorey, your host for this episode, and I'm excited to uh, to have a, this week's guest, or this, uh, this episode's guest, I should say, uh, here to talk about his latest project, Mystery Now, which is a kind of a mockumentary spin-off of Trial and Error, which if you're not familiar, if you're if you haven't checked it out, check out Trial and Error. But that is NBC's comedy starring John Lithgow, which is great. Uh and Mystery Now is is fantastic. You if you remember some of the old um and even some current like mystery type of shows, you'll totally get it. Uh but anyway, the uh I'm here to talk with the producer, director, and editor of Mystery Now, Mr. Ira Rosenzweig. How you doing, Ira? I'm doing really well, Adam. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Thanks for joining me. And you are, uh, it's kind of cool. We don't always get to speak to people from our area, but you are uh, a Philadelphia native. Is that right? Yes, I am. I grew up, uh, like, was born in the Northeast uh, in Philly and then grew up in Huntington Valley uh, right outside the Northeast. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I uh, actually originally from Lansdale and then moved up to the downtown area. So I'm from the Burbs, as they say, but. Uh, but totally familiar oh, nice. with the, the Philly area and everything. Get down there as, as often as I can. Ben, uh, who is not with us right now, but he uh, he lives down in the Drexel Hill area, or at least used to. So always cool to uh, oh, nice. to have a Philadelphia person. Do you ever you know make it back to the Philadelphia area? I do. Yeah, I come back pretty much every Thanksgiving. My parents are still living in Philadelphia, and uh, still have some friends and, and a lot of family there. So it's always nice to come back. And you know, I try to get back more if I'm shooting something in New York. Um, I'll try to come down too. But it's uh, it's always nice to come back home. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's one of those things. Do you do you try to at least do it in the, like spring and summer and fall, or or do you still come out? Because I assume you live like West Coast now. Yeah, I'm in L.A. now. We moved here about three years ago after, I guess, so I, I graduated, after I graduated from high school, went to Penn State, was there for four years, and then came back home, lived at home for about a year or so, and then uh, then moved up to New York. So I was in New York for about 12 years and then moved out here three years ago. And, uh, yeah, the wet, you, you definitely can't beat the weather here. Uh, I, try, I try not to come back to Philly in the dead of summer or the dead of winter or anywhere on the East Coast if I don't have to. But, no, as I said, like Thanksgiving around that time, it's not terrible, and it's always great to come back in the fall or the beginning of the spring if possible. Yeah, I didn't know if you uh, if you missed snow at all, or if you were kind of just like, "Nope, see you later." <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big snow guy. I never was a big skier. I mean, look, as a kid, of course, it was always fun to go outside, and right. we had a little hill and made 
jumps that we could sled down. But here, surprisingly, I found that, like, there's actually, if you want to go skiing, there's, like, a mountain, I don't know, an hour and a half away. Like, and so in the winter, you can actually ski in L.A. I had no idea. That's oh, wow. pretty cool. Yeah, that's a weird uh, yeah. thing to hear. <laughs> yeah, so, um, for sure. So, so let's talk about mystery now. Um, how did you, I guess, how did, how did the idea come about for um, the little mockumentary? So I can't really take any credit for the idea. The idea came from, I guess, the showrunner and a couple of the writers of Trial and Error. And uh, they wanted, they and NBC wanted to do uh, like a digital prequel that would um, basically, so the show Trial and Error, I don't, you know, for anybody who's seen it, it's, it's, it'll be a little more obvious what I'm talking about, but the show, that show is really, it's about the, it's a mockumentary that follows uh, this case about this character, John Lithgow, that he's portraying, and um, this guy basically killed, he, he's, <laughs> it's following the case, the trial of uh, the murder of his second wife, and he, of course, claims he didn't do it, and, like, it, it seems pretty obvious that he did. <laughs> and she actually, his second wife was killed going through a plate glass window, and as it turns out, he was married before, and his first wife was also killed going through a plate glass window. So it, it, it seems pretty obvious what's going on. So anyway, it, they wanted to do a show that talked about what happened to his first wife. And the thing that's really fun about Mystery Now is it takes the form of, like, Dateline NBC or those news magazines that, um, you know, were, are still are very popular, but certainly back when this was supposed to have t taken place. Like, so basically, it uh, the show that we did, it's a little, it's a little difficult to explain, but it's as if this show, Mystery Now, was filmed in 2001 about the 1996 murder of his first wife. Right. And so we, we obviously shot it all now, so we ended up like, making like used 15 year old cameras degraded the footage you know just made it look terrible and on top of that the idea was it, it only exists today on one terrible vhs copy so we made it look even worse so i mean that's part of the fun of it at least i hope um and uh yeah so you know i was really lucky nbc i was asked by nbc digital to direct the, this project and uh after i filmed it and realized like wow we have something really great here i said to them you know who's editing this for you and they said actually we we haven't lined anyone up yet and so i just said hey you know if if, if you're into it i'd love to edit it for you as well so um they said great and uh i did and i guess about a month after we finished filming uh it was released yeah and it's it it is really funny i mean and it's only What's it about fifteen minutes? I think it was roughly. It's technically like four parts, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like each ep quote unquote episode is literally just like what happens in a commercial break. I mean, right. they're obviously like short commercial breaks, so they're each episode is about four, four or five minutes long, and there's four of them. Yeah, and if you want to watch it, you can go to NBC.com and then go to uh, Trial and Errors page, and it's right there. But I mean, it, it totally. I, I love the the uh fun it pokes at at some of those shows like dateline or like unsolved mysteries if you remember that from back in like the 80s oh, sure. and 90s. um and the whole I used to watch that all the time and the whole like uh how the camera angle is always changing for the host and the host is always changing where they're looking and it just makes it yeah she's always <laughs> she's 
always looking at the camera for dramatic effect, and I, I really wanted to play that up. Um, you know, as as the show continues, we really had a lot of fun with that, and like you know, it gets more and more ridiculous as it goes on. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the joke, but I'm pretty sure isn't there a time where she's actually looking at the wrong camera, but it stays on the. Oh yeah, yeah. It's she. Th- <laughs> there's only two cameras in the studio. She starts off on one, goes to the second, <laughs> and then looks there. off to a, what would be a third that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. It's really entertaining. It's so good. And I mean, like I said, it's not long, so it's something totally worth checking out. Did you watch? Um, I don't know. I, I I'm not a, a person who watches Dateline, at least not now, but like you, I did used to watch Unsolved Mysteries. Do you still watch any of those uh, kind of shows? I don't. My wife sometimes does, and she, she enjoys those mystery shows, so I'll, I'll kind of check them out by osmosis if so I'm sitting on the couch doing something else. Um, but, you know, I used to love, I mean, this is, this is kind, of, kind of sick, but what was the thing on, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was on Dateline. It was the um, To Catch a Predator. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. That part of Dateline? I used to, <laughs> that shows you a little bit of what my sense of humor is like, but I just I thought those were just like sickeningly hilarious um, in in just the wrong way. But anyway, yeah, those I, I remember watching a bunch of those. Yeah, and I mean, um, with with shows like that, like I said, I don't really watch them now. But sometimes, you know, you have those nights either you're on the couch or you're doing whatever. You're on your laptop, you have the TV on in the background, you're watching something. That show ends. A new show comes on and it happens to be like Dateline or something like that. And you just like look up to see what it is and all of a sudden you're sucked in and, and sooner or later you end up watching oh, yeah. the whole darn show. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I mean, they always, they find a way to make it engrossing and uh, <laughs> with, with the music and, and, and yeah. the, you know, I, I hope we, we did a good job in emulating that. I, I definitely watched a few segments before we filmed just so I could really get into the groove of what they do because we really want it to be as truthful to that format as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I mean, I, I think it really turned out well. And, and John Lithgow is one of those people he's, I mean, obviously he's done all kinds of genres, comedy, um, drama, sci-fi, all that stuff. But, um, you know, I always remember him from third rock from the sun, which is a comedy. Mm. Uh, and I re- I mean, how natural does that comedic part come to him? I mean, you've directed him obviously at this point. So I mean, I got him after they had filmed the whole show, obviously, and so he was, or you know, he just showed up in character. He was amazing. I mean, I think we only the entire series, the entire digital series, uh, took two days to film, um, and we filmed most of it out here. But then we had to film John up in Boston because he was shooting the uh, the sequel to Daddy's Home with. Uh, I think he was playing Will Ferrell's father, <laughs> and so. Uh, we, you know, we went to his hotel, kind of set up in the hotel to make it look like it could be a living room, and we had him for about an hour. But like, we just laughed the whole time. He's such a funny guy and just like a sweet man. Uh, he was really great to work with, and uh, yeah, he he's just a total pro. I mean, we we just he he nailed them on take one, but we just continue to play with it and do some improv to, you know, find some nuance in the comedy. But he he was fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, how how was yeah. that experience? You know, obviously you said, uh, you know, the editing part of it at least didn't really come until after you were done filming. But how was the experience doing uh, all three, directing, producing, and editing? You know, I, I end up doing that a lot. Um, I kind of grew up, do, like, 
basically, when I, after I graduated from college, I mean, and in college, like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people end up, you know, fulfilling, they write, they produce, they direct, they edit um, mm-hmm. their own stuff. So I continued to do so after graduating. So I, I made a uh, feature documentary that I also produced, directed, and edited. And then I started doing work for MTV Networks and a lot of stuff for Spike TV. And I had a really great boss who you know, basically let me do full commercial campaigns uh, fulfilling all those roles. So it's kind of, I come at, I kind of come at it holistically. I don't, you know, it, it one job kind of bleeds into the other for me. You know, just to give you an example, like, you know, being an editor, like, I usually come to the set knowing, like, okay, I, I want to get these shots and I know that I want to cut them together in this order and this is where I need to be for a specific moment. And knowing that, the great thing is it kind of allows me to, like, cut down on the amount of coverage that I need to do and just kind of spend more time trying to really make the performances as great as possible and trying different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, there are definitely some projects where I'm just the director, but uh, I definitely prefer doing is, you know, getting as involved as possible in all those things. If you If you had to pick to direct and let somebody else edit, or let somebody else direct and have you edit. Which would you prefer? Um, I would definitely prefer directing and edit, and then letting somebody else edit. Okay. However, it, you know, and there are some really great editors out there, and sometimes, like you know, there there something with commercials. Most of the time, you shoot the project and you let go of the footage, and you then get it back and see what they did with it, and. You know, sometimes it actually works out well, and other times it's, like, incredibly painful because you're like, oh, no, like, this is definitely not the way I envisioned this, and they could be playing so much better if they did mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. But, like, you know, I kind of um, direct – if I had to choose one thing to do, it would definitely be directing for sure. Okay. And I, I'm on that note, you know, on that point that, you know, sometimes when you get it back, you think it might have been better than – or it could have been better, I should say, you know, if you had had the, the reins in editing – uh, maybe you'll agree. I'm kind of curious as, as to how you feel. I, I feel like that is um, really true in comedic directing and editing, whereas like dramatic, yes, sure. um, other thing, you know, things of uh, other genres, yes. But like really comedic, if, if you're not delivering it, you're, you know, the the editing can really change how it's being delivered. Oh, 100%. I mean, a lot of times what I like to do is, you know, when you're working with really talented people, you know, there's a specific way that I, I see it initially, but you, then I'm like, okay, well, let's see what else, how, how we could mine this for all its comedic potential. And so, like, I'll shoot, you know, a specific moment, like, 10 to 15 ways, right? So, you know, if, if I just did it the one way and, you know, that would obviously protect the, the vision that I have and, like, you know, if somebody else is editing, they don't really have that many options. But, like, when I'm shooting a lot more options, you know, you kind of hope that the editor picks the best one. But then again, what is the best one? It's always so subjective, like, depending upon how you sequence certain shots, you know, one reaction may work. Change things around, you know, it. Um, it's definitely, you know, I, <laughs> maybe one day when I know that I'm not editing, I'll just pick one and that'll be it. But like, I definitely like to try to get as much, as much variation as possible. Yeah. When, when kind of in, in your background here, when did you, you know, I assume you went to, when you were at Penn State, you studied film and everything. When did you kind of decide or, um, take the path of directing and editing kind of the back, 
uh, off-screen stuff rather than going on-screen or, or doing like anything <laughs> like that? Well, I can. You definitely don't want to see me on-screen. I uh, <laughs> not that I ever aspired to act, but like you know, in college we had we had to do certain exercises and you know, kind of act for our classmates you know, their, the films that they were doing, if it was just like an exercise. And it, I mean, it was always funny, but it wasn't always intended to be funny. It's <laughs> not, I, I, I was, I, I am definitely not gifted in that area. Um, I mean, honestly, I never, like growing up, I never intended to go into filmmaking. Like I was a microbiology major in college. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was always good at science and math and, you know, it kind of, went down to my parents, you know, probably pushed that as well. It was being the practical thing, and I thought I was going to be a doctor. I, was, I actually almost did, like, a six-year Ph.D. M.D. program wow. um, at Penn State. I'm glad I didn't. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, like, the, the thing – the things that I neglected were like, you know, I was never a huge film buff, but I was also like a kid who like would stay up really late at night and like videotape episodes of Saturday Night Live and Kids in the Hall and then make my, like do VCR to VCR, make my own compilation tapes. Like I'd be kicked out of class for doing buckwheat, you know, Eddie Murphy buckwheat impersonation. <laughs> so it was all kind of there back then. I just didn't really say, oh, this is something that, you know, I could do for a living. But then uh, I guess it was my sophomore year of college, um, just on a whim, I was like, you know what, I want to take a film production course. And I was a microbiology major at the time. And I think I probably, like, like skipped organic chemistry for the next two months. Like, I just fell in love with film and knew that that was what I wanted to do. My parents, you know, I was like, <laughs> I knew that they wouldn't react so favorably. So I think I double majored for a year and then finally said okay actually uh this microbiology thing is over but i mean i still love science um but uh <laughs> you know it's funny the, the the way you know the path that you take and how you know you end up you can end up doing something you never really thought about yeah that's amazing and, and i mean to to uh to even add on to that is not just uh to move away from microbiology to directing and, and film but mostly uh comedic as well which are kind of like two of the completely opposite things do you do you plan to right. or do you um have any interest in other genres as well or is kind of comedy basically like your wheelhouse and that's kind of what what you want to stick to what you're good at and and all that what's well, funny you know then i got into filmmaking and like i never intended to do comedy like i kind of <laughs> fell ass backwards to that um like to give you an example my senior thesis film at penn state was about a convicted child molester moving home after he left prison told from his perspective so there's not there's not one laugh in the film at least no intentional say. laugh <laughs> right um so, you know, every student film is gravely serious. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I never really even considered making comedies. And then I made, you know, after graduating, I made a feature documentary and was just kind of, like, looking for the, like, the fastest job I could get after that because I was working on it for, like, two and a half years. And a friend of mine got me a job uh, producing and editing some stuff for Spike TV. And so I just, there was a project that I said, hey, I, I said, do you mind if I rewrite this script? And it was a, it was a I turned it into something that was funny, and they you know I, they said, well wait a minute, this was going to be a clip spot. Now it has to be shot. I was like, I'll do I'll I'll, I'll make this I'll, and I'll shoot this for the amount of money that you have. And after I turned that in, the head writer there uh, just kind of was like, okay, he he kind of became 
a big fan and really championed me there, and I just all of a sudden became like Spike TV's go-to comedy guy, which was totally unexpected. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so I mean, to, it's a long way to answer your question. I mean, I love comedy, like, and I... I see myself always doing it um and especially i mean the other thing is like unfortunately you know after i made that documentary i, I was telling you about like everybody's like oh you're a documentary guy and i was like no i just made a documentary i'm a filmmaker i want right. to try a lot of different genres and i'm experiencing that because everybody's like oh you're the funny guy and i'm like well you know i definitely want to do a lot of other things i think when i you know i always hoped you know when i was a when I was in school, I was like, I'm going to graduate, and I'm all of a sudden I'm going to be like the next Paul Thomas Anderson. I, mean, I think he had made like Magnolia at the time, and like that was the kind of stuff I wanted to make, and mm -hmm. I still do. But I think if you ask me now, I definitely want to kind of combine the comedy and drama and do stuff like things like say like a David O. Russell would make, or you know like Transparent, or something like that in terms of a TV show where there's definitely a lot of comedy, but it's not like joke dependent and there's a real heart and it's getting at something, you know, really interesting. Like that's the kind of stuff I ultimately would love to make. Yeah. Not like a bunch of uh, little one liners and everything like that. Like something with a little more depth. For sure. I mean, honestly, like, you know, people say comedy is hard. I mean, I'm lucky in that it kind of comes easier to me, but you know, you, you can look at a script and you know, there's like, five jokes on this page and it's like you got to make sure they all hit it would be nice to kind of do something differently you know in, in drama where like you're just kind of there's no right way to do it right. you know that you know the scene's got to go a certain way and try to hit a certain emotion but there's like it gets funny because in comedy you know if it works or it doesn't work and I just feel like it would be nice to relieve the pressure of that a little bit but I, I, I love making comedy don't get me wrong well, one uh, one more thing before I let you get going I saw at least it says it's uh, uh, you know IMDB take it for what it is sometimes it's right sometimes it's wrong but uh, it has you listed <laughs> as the director uh, for Head Case which it says is in pre-production What uh, is that accurate and what's uh What's that about when it's coming out? Things like that. Pre-production pre is probably a little bit optimistic. You could call it pre-pre-pre-production. <laughs> um, basically, that's a really funny movie that uh, my friend Peter Hoare wrote. He's actually a writer on Kevin Can Wait. Um, and the the premise of the movie is it's basically two guys who meet in uh, like group therapy. One of them is one of them is an uh, obsessive compulsive germaphobe, and the other is like an unrepentant sex addict. And through a crazy set of circumstances, they uh, it's kind of like a crazy buddy comedy where they end up on the run from the cops and the mob as, because they've come into possession of a a mob boss's severed head in a bowling bag. <laughs> volleyball tag, I should say. So we have, like, the, the producers are great, and, like, uh, we have um, Tyler Labine and Tony Hale lined up to play the two leads. So oh, cool. my agency right now is taking it out to a bunch of financiers, and so we're just waiting to hear back uh, and see, <laughs> see what, the, what they think. But, uh, yeah, there's that's I've got a bunch of film and TV projects in the works. You know, those things take can take a long time to get off the ground. So, you know, I love doing the shorter things in between. But we're also hoping to make another movie called Guidance that I've been trying to make for like seven, eight years now, um, actually later this summer. And uh, we're in negotiations to do that now. So fingers crossed that that is actually my first feature. 
Yeah, awesome. That will definitely uh, we'll keep our eyes out for that here and, and point people in that direction when it comes out. But at least for now, uh, people can check out, like I said, um, Mystery Now, which is on NBC.com, and you can check it out on the trial and error page. But uh, Ira, really appreciate you uh, spending some time chatting, and it was uh, good talking to you. And hopefully uh, maybe one of these days you, know, you got something to promote. You're in the Philly area. We'll have to uh, get you in the studio or something like that. I would love to do that, and thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, and everybody, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Showcast. I know we will have uh, some more uh, content coming from you, uh, from Harrisburg Comic Con, which we covered last uh, month. That'll be coming very soon, so keep an eye on our, all our pages, iTunes, everything like that. And check out nextlevelradioonline.com for the other podcasts. Again, I am Adam Gorey, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.